Okay, Pete Giuliano, it is Saturday, the 14th of March, 2020, and that makes this solder smoke. What's the number? 219, 219, Ralph. Crank it in, crank it in, 219. Crank, crank it in, Ralph. Yeah, indeed, indeed. we got to crank it in. All right, guys, We're you know, this is part of our program to have more more regular solder smokes. And so that's what we're doing here. I'm going to turn down my mic gain here a bit. That might help. Hold on. You hear me all right, Pete? Yes, I do. I think I'm, I might. I don't want to be over modulated. I don't want to be hitting it too hard, as they say. I think I'm okay now. But anyway, we're going to, this is part of our program to do more regular and frequent uh, Solder Smoke podcasts. But this is a special edition. You know, we've been reading in the news and watching all around us the, uh, the response to the coronavirus. And it occurred to Pete and, and to me that, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people now are cooped up at home. They're not going out. They're not going to work. They, uh, you know, everything's been canceled, and they find themselves with a lot of time on their hands. And we decided that one thing that we could do as podcast producers here in in Solder Smoke is to produce a, a special edition, sort of a special coronavirus edition. That the, the the purpose is just to sort of bolster morale, give people something to listen to that'll hopefully take their mind off the the current crisis. And, uh, you know, and just, uh, just enjoy ham radio a little bit. Um, one thing I'd say, we let, in 218, we asked for feedback, and we got a lot of emails. And they were, for me, really very touching. I mean, they, they were very heartfelt. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of guys expressed how much they liked the podcast, how long they've been listening. Several guys said, wow, I, I feel like I've watched your kids grow up. We've been doing this for a long time. And it, it, I just came away with the sense that the, the podcast is really important to a fairly large number uh, of people out there. And so at this time, when everybody's sort of locked in their houses, it, we just thought it would be a nice thing to do to come out with sort of a special edition. Uh, maybe, we'll have, maybe we'll do it again. Maybe we'll just increase the number and do it you know, weekly or biweekly. We're but locked in the house too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it, it, we are. You know, I my my wife said to me at one point. She said, "Wow, you're not going to be able to go out. You're going to have to spend time in the house." And I looked at her and I thought of the ham shack and I said, "I think I can handle it." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there was a there was a meme that went across Facebook. It talked about how um, finally the nerds have the disaster they want yeah, they can't yes. have any they can't have any social interaction they can't go shopping they have to spend all their time in front of their computers yeah <laughs> the nerds finally have what they want hey i i have seen one positive impact of coronavirus if there can be one What's my that? gas mileage has improved oh <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, 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 you know, I, as everybody knows by this point, it's, it's very serious business. Billy and yes. Marie are not going back to college. They came back for spring break. They thought they were going to, you know, spend spring break and go back to school. They're not going back. So that's, that's a real serious impact. The, the, the course that I was, I've been volunteer, a volunteer teacher at a, at a course, English language course for immigrants uh, here since I retired. That course has been canceled, so that I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, and you know, it's e the impacts are even more serious. We have uh, close friends from from London 
who have uh, they're they're from Brazil and they have their daughter in school here at a university in 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 the area, and they just told her that that she had to pack up her stuff and leave and leave within a few days, and you know for her that means leave and go back to Brazil, mm. so the the parents might have to fly up and get her and help her pack up and bring her back and everything else. And so this is a major impact on, on lots of people's lives. And of course, all the, the poor people are sick. You know, we're, we're not going to kind of harp on this all the way through. We are going to get back to the, into the radio stuff, but, but I know Pete, you and I both have uh, special connections to Italy. Yes. And just the, the, the images uh, coming out of Italy and the numbers are, are really, really horrifying. But, you know, the Italians, they, they have their way of coping with it, too. I don't know if you've seen the videos of them singing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. You see this, like, a, the scenes from, like, an apartment block, very much like the, the block of apartments that we lived in when we were in Rome. And people are not allowed to leave their apartments. They are trapped inside. But they step out onto the balcony in the evening. One guy will start playing the accordion. And then all the all the neighbors will start singing and they'll start beating the pans like drums and everything else. This is happening all over Italy. So, wow. Um, you know, really feel for the Italians. Hope for the best. Um, I, I just saw in the news this morning, it was so successful. They scheduled another one today. A concert? And, yeah. Oh, it, was the, the, so, the, the, it was so successful. They said, okay, we'll do it again. They had the band out there and they recorded the band so they could, you know, live stream it and everything else yeah i i just saw just i just saw sort of improvised things where they were somebody just pulled out their their iphone and recorded and yeah. so anyway uh really uh that's a that's a great kind of italian response to a very difficult situation and we hope for the best for everybody pete let's talk about radio oh yes yes maybe i should talk about what's on my bench first and then you talk sure about sure go yours. ahead go ahead all right, first, uh, the Novice Rig Roundup. Okay, uh, this is a, a, a this is they used to have an AR, AWRL Novice Contest or the Novice Roundup, and that sort of went away. But then it's been reorganized in, in recent years. I think outside the AWRL, I think Bry Carling is is one of the main proponents. Do uh, they still it. have a novice license? I don't. I think they do. I, I think. Do they? they? Do. I, I don't know. I, maybe I, they do. I think it's gone to the. I think they eliminated it. It's the tech now, tech special or something oh, oh, like man. that. That's a, that's a shame because I I, I I used to be WN2QHL. There you go. There a you man go. of substance. There you go. <laughs> no, I didn't become a man of substance until I got the general class license. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what go. Gene Shepard says. When he got his class A license, he became, I think it's WAQHN or something like that, a man yeah, you, of substance. You wore a tie then. That's right. I went to the club and held my head high. Yes. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, but now they have this thing called the Novice Rig Roundup. It is underway as we speak. It runs through, I think, the 15th of March. That's not on sideband, is it? No, no. It's all CW, <laughs> oh, my oh, friends. Okay, okay. Yeah, you, you remember that key thing. Da, 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 da. You remember all that. You, 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 you know, you're kidding me. You know what I'm talking about. But anyway... <laughs> Anyway, I... Hey, uh, you got to laugh, Bill. You got to laugh. You got to laugh. And not only that, now that we're all trapped in the houses, we got to think of things to do. So yeah. this is one of them. So this is one of the things that I did. So I just, I, I, I didn't want to get carried away. I, I briefly thought about putting one of my S38s in service and using that as the receiver. Uh, but I think that might have had the opposite uh, desired psychological uh, effect. Uh, <laughs> 
So instead, I slid down the table down towards the HT37 and the Drake 2B that had been sitting there kind of forlornly looking at me since, uh, oh, I don't know, a straight key night a year ago, more than that. So I fired the thing up. I got on 40 meters and I started working novice rig roundup stations. Now, the way this works is you go to a website, you, you get your number. They give you your number. You register, you get your number. And then when you talk to somebody else in the novice ring roundup, you send them your NRR number. And uh, this, it's, it's all fun. But for me, the most fun was the rigs that you run into. Holy cow, this doesn't happen on sideband. On sideband, I mean, you know, let's face it. 99.9% of your contacts are going to be with Kenwood's, Yesus, or ICOMs. I don't even know what the numbers mean. They could tell me I have a, a, a Yesu 1,237DX. I don't, I don't it's know. It's the FTDX 101, the ICOM 7300, and the Yesu, I'm sorry, Kenwood 8950. You know, you know much more about this than I do. They're, they're, they're all, <laughs> it's all just... You know, they're all they're, KX4, yeah. KX4. <laughs> anyway, but I ran into a guy. Listen, so one of my first contacts, I'm talking to WS1K, Ooh. and and he's on a rig he calls the Scrounger. I remember that. You remember the Scrounger? Yeah, I was in a QST or CQ yes. article, something like that. Yeah. Holy cow! You 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 remember everything. You you this is amazing. Yeah. I did. I never even heard of the thing before. He built it. It's like on a cake pan, turned yeah, over upside yeah. down, right? Yeah. So it's on the cake pan, and he said it took him a week going around trying to find parts. But uh, John WS1K built this thing. It's got uh, a single tube in it, maybe two. I think it's got a rectifier tube and then the actual tube for the transmitter. But that's what I worked him on, and, it, and he had a picture of it. I put the picture up on the blog, and then. A little while later, I worked Alpha Alpha 8 Victor, Greg Latta. Greg, Greg was interviewed on QSA, QSO Today. Oh, that's why by it sounds familiar, UG. yeah. He's, I think he's up in Pennsylvania or maybe in Maryland. I think he's in Maryland. But, um, man, what a, what a proficient expert home brewer he is. He's got some really fantastic rigs. And he was working, and he told me about the rig, but then what really caught my attention, he said, receiver homebrew super hat six by two Ooh. and i went i went i remembered he had a website and i went and checked it out and he had all kinds of pictures and great documentation on this completely tube type magnificently built homebrew super hat i have that up on the blog too so feast your eyes ladies and gentlemen because this is some really amazing stuff but pete you know you make fun of that uh, that morse code stuff but these are the kind of rigs that you're more likely to run into using Morse code. You know, it, it happens more there. There, there are, are certain modes, certain activities in ham radio where you're more likely to run into homebrew equipment. One of them is CW, certainly in the QRP area, certainly in a contest like this. Another is AM, AM phone. I've been doing a lot of listening on AM phone, and it's very common to hear a guy say, yeah, the home, the rig is a homebrew, transmitter's homebrew, mostly the transmitters, but a lot of receivers too. So anyway, the novice rig roundup was a lot of fun. But then, hey, listen to this. So I get on, I, I'm also on 80 meters. I don't, I've never really been a big 80 meter user, but I figured, what the heck? I fired up the HT37 on 80 meters, and I, I call, or I heard a call, and the, the call I hear is, get this, WN4 
NRR. Wow. Novice rig roundup. And I know immediately this 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 ha- this can't be an accident. This has to be I it must be that I'm speaking to NRRHQ. Novice rig roundup headquarters. Yeah, there you go. And I said to myself, who would that be? Who would that be? Hmm. It's in the four call call zone, right? Somebody it's, you know. It's in Morse code, but some somehow somehow in a mystical kind of way, I detect a British accent even through the Morse code, Woo. which is hard to do. Yeah, hard to do. You know. And then I wait for it. I wait. The guy tells me his state, Florida. Hmm. Somebody I know. I know somebody in Florida who's involved in novice rig roundup. And then here it comes, the confirmation. Op, this is the way we do it now. We say op, the name, Bry, B-R-Y. Uh-oh. Brian Carlake, yeah. our sponsor from the last podcast. Yeah, there you go. AF4K of the Crystal Company. Get your crystals from Bry. He's, you know, he'll find them for you. He's a, he's, a, he's a good guy, and it was really cool to, to work him. Now, I understand that under his home call, he is NRR1. His number wow. is number one, wow. which means he's the inventor of the whole thing. But he yeah. was using a different, a, different, uh, uh, a different number under this call. So I guess he got this call for, um, for the event. But that was great, for, great fun, WN4NRR. Anyway, Novice Rig Roundup, it runs through um, tomorrow. But, you know, the thing is, even if you miss the, the period of the actual contest, I, I, I recommend pulling out some old novice rigs and getting on the air with something different, trying a different mode. This will help you take your mind off, uh, off of the crisis and get through the, the kind of stuck-in-the-house situation in which we're in right now without going completely bonkers. Speaking of bonkers, Pete, I don't know if you can see over my shoulder here. Can you see over there? Yes. My camera aimed in that direction. Do you see that thing over there? Yeah. You know what that is? No, no, no. The the field of view is obscured. Oh, hold on a second. Let me okay. move the camera a bit. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> he gasps. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, no. He's either shocked or he's showing symptoms. Uh, no, no, I think he's shocked. <laughs> what he's looking at is an S38E. Looks like a shipwreck. (laughs) (laughs) With the cabinet (laughs) and the front panel removed. Yeah. Because... It's a hulk. Look at this. Wait a second. Look at that. You see that thing there? It's a dial cord. It's a string, man. Yeah. It's a piece of string. Wow. That's a string. So uh, this is the second S38 that I'm working on. And uh, it requires restringing. Now, this has been an interesting experience for me because, you know, I, I Pete, I, I, I think I was influenced by you, as I am in most things in ham radio, and that's, that's always a good thing. Uh, and you, you were the one who, who labeled this fine piece of radio equipment as a pig with lipstick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm writing up my whole adventure with the S38 for, for people who might go down this path themselves in the future. But I have included the picture of the pig that you put up oh, uh, you that, that is on there, right? And I've said, this is one area where I have come to disagree somewhat with, with Pete Giuliano because I've, I've come to appreciate kind of the, 
the virtues of, of the S38. But anyway, let me tell you about my, my discovery. So I end up with two of these things. First, because the one I have, uh, I, need, I need some parts. I tried to buy the parts. I didn't think I got the right parts. So then I found some guy on, on eBay selling a Junker S38E for a very reasonable price. So I bought the Junker. But when the Junker came, I looked at it and I said, wow, this thing is in great shape. There's hardly anything wrong with it. So I, anyway, I, I took out the part that I needed, but I had another part that I, it's the antenna coil. So I had another antenna coil. I put it in there and I could make it work. So now I've got two S3080s, both of them close to operating condition. But here's my discovery. I, I you know, S38Es were used by shortwave listeners and they were also used by radio amateurs. I came to the conclusion that both of these receivers were used a lot by, by radio amateurs, not by shortwave listeners. How do you think I knew that? I, I don't know. How? All right. It, it, has, it has to do with the dial cord that I have here in my hand because in the S38E, there are essentially two different dial strings, dial cords. Did, did it dial have strings. a slider at the bottom? It had a slider at the bottom, which was band spread. Band spread. And then it had the main tuning slider oh. on the top. So if you were a shortwave listener, you really didn't have a whole lot of need for the, the band spread. You just used the main tuning dial. Because these AM signals were big and broad, often 10 kcs wide. And they're easy to tune with the main tuning dial. What you needed that band spread for was if you were trying to tune the amateur radio bands which on the main dial are, can, can, are often you know, less than a quarter of an inch wide. So you would set the main tuning dial to, the, to one end of the band and then use the band spread uh, dial to tune across it. So here's the thing. When I opened up both of the S38s, I found that the main tuning string was almost perfect, pristine, no signs of wear. However... The band spread spring, the spring that was used for the band spread in both receivers, was worn to the point where it was just about ready to collapse. And sure enough, I turned it just a few times on both of them, and the strings broke. So I've had to, I'm, I'm now in the process of replacing the second band spread dial. Now, I came to the conclusion that this is because these, re these receivers were actually used by radio amateurs, probably teenagers, probably on their first receiver. And they probably spent hours, days, weeks, months, frantically tuning that band spread dial up and down well, the 40-meter phone band. Well, I, I think that you're, you're also identifying the mode of operation. It was, not, it was not like you come back on exactly on a guy's frequency. You called CQ, and you tuned up and down the d dial listening for your call. That, that's oh, the that's way right. that operation took place. So I and can I, see where a lot of wear... Put a lot of wear, a lot of wear, you know, and, and, but you know, just what you just mentioned, because, because at that time the transmitters were all crystal controlled This right. was before novices got the ability to use a VFO. So in the novice rig roundup, in the instructions that they put out, they, they point out that many guys are going to be using crystal controlled rigs. So when you put out a call, it was advised that you tune up and down. No, yeah. 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 Which, which is, which is fun. And, uh, I think I made at least one contact that way where he was significantly off my frequency but calling uh, on, on the crystal. So anyway, uh, now I'm, I'm starting to get into the S38E. So 
I have two of them now. They're both working pretty well. I had I, It was kind of a tricky front-end alignment. You know, the, the front-end alignment on these things is tricky because they're, they're not like most of the receivers that we work on. There's not a band pass filter at the front. We're, like with the bid X's, we know that it's going to be on, on 40 meters, there's going to be a band pass filter that's set to tune most of the 40-meter band. And you just tweak it up at the right spot, and then you leave it there. Or you might have kind of a, a tunable uh, front-end tuning circuit. Like the Drake 2B has a pre-selector where you tweak up the, the front-end, and you've got a, you've got a seri- couple of LC circuits there in the front-end, and you tweak it up so that you're just pulling in the signals from the particular frequencies you want. This is part of the effort to, to reject the image. Now, the Drake 2B is not much of a problem because it's triple conversion. But these simple receivers that we're using are single conversion with a very low IF. 455 KCs. The S3080. Yeah, 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 the S3080 is basically an all-American 5, which was the old standard sort of AM tabletop radio that was sold in the millions all across the United States, but with some additional coils that allow it to receive shortwave bands. That's it. So it's it's super simple. It's really, really simple. Almost too simple because in an effort to save money on these things, there's only one LC, one parallel LC tuned circuit in the front end. So that's all you have between you and electronic mayhem. And so if that tuned circuit is not in the right place, you could very easily get even worse image rejection than you would normally get. Now, I know some guys are scratching their heads and saying, what's image rejection? And this is a good, a fair, fair question. And I'll try to go through it just kind of quickly. What you do is suppose you want to, you want to tune a signal at uh, coming in at say at seven megahertz. And you've got an IF, an intermediate frequency of 0.455 megahertz. So what you do is you tune the VFO up 0.455. So your VFO is running at 7.455. You've got a signal that comes in at 7. It goes to a mixer. The mixer takes the difference product. So the 7 megahertz signal mixes with the 7.455 signal, and there you go. you got a 0.455 IF signal that goes through, it gets demodulated, and that's what you're listening to. Now, the problem is that if you tune below, if you tune the receiver down below, if you take the receiver down and you go down 910 kilohertz down below, then that your signal can also combine with the 7.455 signal and you'll get get an input there too. So you'll end up seeing the, the frequency that you want at two different places on the band. So... Now, getting back to what I was saying about the, the pre-selector arrangement, it's not a bandpass filter, and it's not a, a, a pre-selector that you can tweak to make sure that you're in the right frequency range. What they've done on the S38 is they've used uh, a second section of the main tuning capacitor to track. So they, they track. So as you tune the receiver from like 7 megahertz up to 8 megahertz, there's a second section of the main tuning capacitor that is tuning the input tune circuit all the way through. 
So that's where alignment becomes very important because that another section of that capacitor is also tuning the VFO. So you've basically got 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 a three sections at work here. One is tuning the VFO, one well two sections. One is tuning the VFO and one is tuning this kind of input preselector filter there. And if they're not in sync, you could be receiving a frequency and then have your 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 main tuning your 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 preselector or your 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 filter capacitor at the front end tuned to the wrong frequency, in which case your ability to reject images goes completely down the tubes. Anyway, so that's one of the things that I had to work on was uh, was getting the the this preselector frequency or the or the kind of the bandpass or the input the antenna tuned circuit frequency lined up properly in sync. with the v in, in sync with the VFO. Yeah. And the instructions that the Halicrafters gave out. Now this rig was produced between 1957 and 1961. And the, I must say the instructions that they put out were kind of sparse. And I think the instructions was put out, were put out with the assumption that the, the, the person doing the adjustments wouldn't have a whole lot of test equipment. But now we have some pretty good signal generators. We have good oscilloscopes. So it makes the, the alignment more, well, it makes it easier and, and more reliable. But I, I really wanted to mention... I've made great use in this whole process of the HP signal generator that Steve Silverman oh, yeah. gave me via Dave Bamford in New York City. And the great feature it has is that you could put a modulation signal on it. You could, I could put a, a, a 7 megahertz signal in there and flip the switch and it's AM modulated with a 1000 hertz tone or a 400 hertz tone. You know, and select the degree of modulation because this is important because you're, you're, you're tuning up a receiver that doesn't have a product detector, right? So you need, if you want to listen to the output, you got to have a tone in there, and this switch allows you to put the tone in there. So that's that's been 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 really really good. I, you know, I wanted to go back one second, Bill, to, yeah. on your uh, capacitor, the two capacitors. Do they have the patterns on the bottom? They do, they, they they do, but they um, they have the screws have been removed, so the patterns are not in use, and neither oh. neither one of them are screws there. However. The, the antenna tuner coil has trimmer capacitors on it. So yeah. that's what you use instead of the padders. But the trick is to get it to, to, to get the, the main capacitor, the big capacitor, at a point where you can move the VFO to the right spot and the preselector coil to the right spot. And that, that takes some doing sometimes. It's complicated by the fact that the, the main tuning dial, the frequency indicator dial, after all these years, is probably nowhere near where Halicrafters originally wanted it because the dial has been restringed a couple times during the course of these years. So that screwed me up in the, in the beginning when I was trying to, to fix this thing. But then I finally got the hang of it. I'm going to write all this up because I found a real paucity of, of data about how to do this. So I'm going to try to make my contribution to the radio art by by writing up a kind of a detailed description of how I I tackled these two S38s. You know there there are so many of these receivers out there. If you go out on eBay and you just type in S38E, you'll find I mean a lot of them out there. Some of them priced at $11. <laughs> some at 400. Yeah, I know some of them they fixed up, yeah. But you know this gets to another thing the uh, the shocking nature of the S3080 because this was a transformer less 
receiver. This was another effort to keep things as cheap as possible. So the All-American 5 receiver, it, one of the ways they kept it really inexpensive for the masses of, of consumers who were going to buy these kind of radios was to run it directly off 115 volts AC, which, which works okay unless you put the plug in the wrong way. If you put the plug in the wrong way, and what you're doing, if you put it in the right way, the neutral line on the plug goes basically to the chassis, and the hot part, the hot terminal of the line, goes to the circuitry, right? However, if you just happen to plug the thing in the wrong way, now you've got 115 volts on the chassis and the neutral line going to the circuitry. And then if you reach over and touch that chassis and you're standing there in your bare feet or you've got your hand on something else, zing, you know, you, you get, you're going to get a shock. So over the years, they've come up with various ways of, of minimizing the risk using polarized plugs, for example. So you, can, you could not possibly plug it in the wrong way. Problem with that is you don't know how your house was wired. <laughs> the guy who put the plug in your house back in 1973 might have got it wrong, in which case, even if you put the plug in the right way, you're still putting 115, 120 volts on that chassis. So I decided the only way to do this properly was with isolation transformers. These are just transformers that you, you, you've got 115 volts on the primary, you've got 115 volts on the secondary. But you're able to connect it in a way that, that the, the primary circuit, it's just, like, it's just like the transformer input in almost all AC power supplies that we deal with. If you take a look at the schematics in the ARRL handbook or any other thing, you'll see that those two AC lines that come in, both those lines go to the primary turns on some form of transformer, right? Usually it's a step-up transformer because you're trying to develop the voltage needed to operate the tubes. But this whole receiver was designed for 115 volts, including the, the, the filaments. The filaments all run off combined 115 volts. So you don't need step-up. All you need is isolation. So I got these little transformers from, uh, I got them through uh, DigiKey, and they, they work fine. You know, but I'm looking at it now, Pete, I probably should have bought bigger transformers because I noticed that if I do, like if I start listening to AM broadcast and they're playing music, like I've been listening, there's a couple oh, of good AM current stations. Draw. Current draw. The, the transformer starts to get a little hot. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I checked. Normally, this is not a problem. The transformers are rated, the transformers I have are rated at about 15 watts. But I took a look at the power requirements on the H on the S38E, and they, they say the power requirement's 30 watts, right? So I might go back. I might, I might not worry about it. I mean, it gets hot. Tubes get hot, too. But it, it, it seems to be okay. But I might go back and, and get um, kind of a 50-watt version of the same transformer just to be on the safe side. Hey, but I, I've been having, obviously, I've been having a lot of fun with these things. And, and I, I ask myself, why? Why am I liking these things? And I've, I've come up with a, a bunch of different reasons. One is the simplicity of the S38. It's so simple. It's a beautiful, simple little receiver. It's got five tubes. It doesn't even have an RF amplifier. It's got a converter tube. It's got the oscillator. It's got two IF transformers. There's no filter in it. 
It's broad as a barn door. It sounds wonderful on AM. I have a, on, if you go to my, um, my YouTube page, I've got a couple of recordings there of music pouring out of this thing because some of the uh, shortwave broadcast stations are now playing music, a lot of music, and it sounds, it just sounds wonderful. Some of these stations are, the broadcast stations are 10 KCs wide. So they're, they're, you know, they're, they're recording and transmitting up to five KCs of audio, uh, five, you know, five KCs of audio. So you're getting, it's almost like hi-fi AM, but it sounds really great. That's why I like it. It's, it's great for, it's, it's remarkably stable. I know you'll find this hard to believe and, and compared to your beloved SI 5351 it's probably not that great but I mean I, I put it on an AM station and leave it there and it just stays there it doesn't move it's really good I can listen to 160 meters on the thing and 160 meters AM and sideband sounds great it's got a BFO in it and not, not only that I think there's kind of a, a, a kind of a, an affinity to this thing because the, the, the receiver and I are of similar vintage <laughs> okay there you go igy between 1957 and 1961 that's me there you go this is, this is the duck and cover period you know yes and it's got on the front dial it's got marked the connell red connell red frequencies oh, wow. where to tune if you're about to be vaporized Nuked. you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh i i've i've had a lot of fun with it I'm going to get the two of these things going. I, I like I like the the frequency readout. It's got this big. It's almost got like a, a a front porch window on it, right? And you see the entire band arrayed in front of you, right? Um, sort it's, of like it's a crude fun. SDR, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like like a waterfall, but you yeah. have to turn the dial. Yeah. Here's something else I've discovered, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more later, or maybe in in a in a subsequent episode. But the shortwave bands are not as dead, the shortwave broadcast bands are not as dead as many of us may have suspected. Reports of their death have been greatly exaggerated. Okay, so Radio Moscow is not there anymore. VOA is not there anymore. Even the BBC is not there anymore. But there's a lot of activity there. Some of it's pretty out there. Some of it you wouldn't want to listen to a lot. Some of these stations, I think... Uh, there's a lot of commercial stations on, especially from the United States now. There's um, WRMI, uh, WCRI. A lot of these stations, many of them in the southern part of the United States are there. And they're carrying like a, a I mean, a really wide range of programs. Now, I think they're just basically saying, if you've got the cash, we'll put your stuff on the air. Yeah, there you go. So... I, I sometimes you think, wow, I'm listening to this radio station and they're carrying this content that I find really objectionable and extreme, sort of conspiratorial. I mean, but then you then you then the, the very next program is really nice and they're it's nice music and everything else. If you look at the programming schedule, it's pretty apparent to me that they'll put on the programming of just about anybody who shows up with 35 bucks per hour that's what it comes down to wow you're kidding no that's about 35 bucks an hour some of them are charging the equivalent maybe some up to a dollar a minute yeah so it's not so and because of this you get kind of some really 
extreme folks out there. And you, you get what we heard about from our friend in Germany. We got an email from Ed in Germany. Yeah. And he told us about how in Europe what's happening is a lot of these formerly showway broadcast stations are being taken over by radio amateurs. And they're just they're they're getting the license and they become the licensee for a shortwave broadcast station and they carry a lot of times ham radio programming or shortwave listening programming. So in that sense there's there's kind of a resurgence of shortwave listening. But anyway, I, I, I've gotten into the shortwave listening. I like listening to music out of ham gear. The S thirty eight sort of comes together in this whole thing and it's a great rig to tinker with i can tinker with it so when we get finished here this morning uh, i'm going to go over there and restring the band spread dial on this thing there's a lot of kind of art like kind of uh kind magic. of black, black, black mac you've got to use rosin i get to use rosin from maria's violin strings wow. because the, you have to put rosin on there you gotta you gotta soak the string in isopropyl alcohol you've got to rough up the little part where the the the, the turner catches the string it's got to be roughed up you've got to you've got to have it kind of roughed up so it'll grab properly and everything else and it there's a little bit of there's a little bit of art alongside the science here so anyway i've been having great fun with the the s38 e and i like it igy duck and cover uh conrad i was even like i said i was tempted to pull out the dx40 and put it next to an s38 for the novice rig roundup but i thought that might be uh might be too much um all right pete you've got a lot of stuff going what's happening on the n6qw let's take a short detour for the shameless commerce division oh you're right you're right you're right okay so now that you guys are at home and entrapped in your houses, in front of your computers. Don't forget about the the solder smoke. <laughs> we've, we've, got a, we've got to seize commercial advantage of this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. That's why we call it the shameless commerce division. No, but seriously, use the uh, use the the um, the little box on the solder smoke blog there, and to make your 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 Amazon purchases through the the solder smoke web page. Ching. Bezos has to send us some money. You know, I think people are going to use this a whole lot more. Why go to the store? Why wait? Just place an order. It'll show up. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and so that, that, I think that's the way to do it. And then, uh, and when, so when, you, when you're making your bulk order of survival supplies, think of Smoke. Yeah. <laughs> and send us a few bucks. It sounds awful, but, but since you brought it up, Pete, there we go. Anything else on Shameless Commerce we should be doing? No, I just uh, want to make sure that we covered it, uh, Bill. So thank, that, thank you uh, very much. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to say I didn't forget. <laughs> All right, good. So tell us about what's on your bench. Uh, I, I wanted to make some after comments about your S thirty eighty. Oh and please, yeah. Oh, I techie, love talking about the S thirty eighty. Techie stuff. Tech stuff. Um, first of, uh, it's interesting to note that I asked a question about the patterns, and uh, this is how people took care of the problem. Uh, in the past of tracking, uh, you know, you have two capacitors that are essentially run through the range about, in one case, uh, typically there were 365 picofarad, and the other one was, uh, I, I think the, the one attuned to VFO was a smaller range. Uh, it was like maybe 120, uh, 100, 100 picofarad, something like that. So to keep these things tracked, uh, they had these pattern capacitors so that the ends... 
the you'd have a you kind of even it out so that you're getting the same amount of uh, uh, gain uh, or the same amount of tuning uh, as you go through the range. So uh, that was the reason I asked about the pattern. But some smart guys figured that out. I mean. When they designed this radio, as they say, as you say, Bill, was done cost-effectively, read cheap, but at the same time, they had to address some of the technical problems, and uh, uh, some smart guys figured that out. So, uh, well, well I, you know, this, 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 you're right, and you could, you could definitely see where avoiding the inclusion of an additional, a variable capacitor would drastically change the cost yeah. of production. So, I, I just compared. The, the S38's input circuit to the one on, say, the Hammerland HQ100. Yeah. It has two tuned circuits in there, and it has a trimmer capacitor that you can you could tweak it a little bit. Even on the Mate for the Mighty Midget that, uh, that Lou McCoy designed, the homebrew receiver using three 6U8 tubes, I built one of these things. It has an RF amplifier in it. The S38 does not. In the RF amplifier in the Mate for the Mighty Midget. You all right? Yeah, we just uh, knocked over a cable. Can you? Can, am I still there? I can hear you, but it looks it looked it looked to me like there was <laughs> the light the light fell down. I light was adjusting the adjusting the microphone. We're we're all okay. <laughs> all right, it's scary. It's scary out there in California when you suddenly start yeah, seeing the furniture. Yeah, it was an earthquake. It was an earthquake. Anyway, the, the, even the Made for the Mighty Midget has a tune circuit in the grid of the RF amplifier and another tune circuit in the plate of the RF amplifier. So when you do the, the peaking and tweaking of the preselector, you're peaking and tweaking two different tune circuits. Whereas in the with the S38, you're only tweaking one of them. So that's that's an obvious problem. And Here's, here's something else I discovered about this. You know, the input of the S38 is just a coil. It's the primary of the antenna transformer. So in the primary, you have a coil that's about 3.6 microhenries. And the secondary of that has the tuned circuit. It has another coil, and it has the, the, the main tuning capacitor, right? So here's the problem. you got to be careful about what you put across the input. Because if you put like an antenna tuner that's off a little bit, or you put some capacitance affect in there, that, yeah, you're going to affect it. You could, in effect, be putting a tuned circuit close to the image frequency and the primary. That's going to that's going to going to going to mess up your image rejection a lot. So one of the things I was thinking about doing, and and I actually heard you know guys back in the day were aware of the shortcoming of the S38. So they started using pre-selectors. So you could just come up with like a little, almost like a, it would, it would look like an antenna tuner, but it would just be maybe maybe two tuned circuits, maybe a double tuned circuit that you would put at the input passive. You don't even have to have an amplifier in there, but just have two tuned circuits in there, variable capacitor. So this would give you some additional, you know, front end selectivity to knock down the image. I, I've played around with this a little bit, but I, I haven't really cracked the code on it completely. But it's it's definitely an idea, and it's definitely kind of an outboard way to get rid of the uh, the this this kind of front end shortcoming of the of the S thirty eight E. 
Can you move your camera? Because I'm looking only at a quarter of your face. That's because <laughs> that's, I wanted to weird. show you the, mag the magnificence of the dial cord. But there yeah. you go. Hey, you uh, the uh, on the make for the Mighty Midget, um, I was uh, at the Senior Center here uh, last Monday, and um, they have a, a library there, and someone put a couple of QSTs in there. And, and I never look at QST, except I had two hours to kill while she was at her painting class. And I think it's either the December 2019 or January 2020. They have a section about old-time rigs and old-time projects. They yeah. got the mate for the Mighty Midget receiver wow. in there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, this was like a contest. The Mighty Midget was yeah. a, a, a kind of a QRP tube-type transmitter. And then they came up with the mate for the Mighty Midget, which was the this simple receiver using three six U eight tubes. It was a, it was a, a single conversion superhead with the four fifty five KCIF. He had rigged up a, a crystal filter using discrete four fifty five KC crystals. I could never get the filter to work, so I ended up just using the transformers on mine. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking, of, I've always thought about putting one of the mechanical, one of the 455KC mechanical filters in there. But right now I have it out set up without it. But uh, yeah, it, that, I, that was, that's a fun little receiver to build for yeah. a tube-type receiver. So if you, you've got a QST and you hear us talk about that, it's either, in the, there were two issues there, December 2019 and January 2020. So it's in one of those. You have a section where they go back, Matter of fact, they had another one in there, a picture of QST from 1971, and it had a Doug DeMaw transceiver, CW transceiver on the front cover. It showed this YL operating it. So I was saying, whoa, man, I remember that. <laughs> I remember yeah, those that. Yeah, yeah, stick yeah. in your mind, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. So we ready to go to my bench? I think we should go to your bench. You've got oh. so much stuff going on. I feel, well, I, feel, I feel guilty about, you know, taking up all the time. Go ahead. Well, well. It's a lot of stuff, but it's all in one area, and I, I just wanted to take a second uh, to talk a little techie stuff, and I'm going to talk to you about stuff that I really don't know a lot about, so we're <laughs> it's the blind leading the blind here, but uh, there's lots, there's several ways in which the currently popular SDR transceivers uh, actually uh, demodulate and then actually transmit uh, signals using the uh, software-defined radio principles. And, and one of them, of course, is using taking everything down to audio baseband and using the um, sound cards of uh, computers or sound cards associated with a microcontroller. And that's uh, the I and Q method, so we have one in-phase and one in-quadrature signal. And, of course, the other is the DDC, which is the latest thing, and you just bypass all that. <laughs> you essentially take it from RF down down to the uh, digital signals, and away you go. So it's much more sophisticated. But a lot of work is still being done with the I and Q, and the whole basis of that and how that works goes back to 1905. Phasing. 1905, this guy, David Hilbert, was working on the Riemann Integral and was trying to solve the Riemann integral problem. This is involved with, uh, you know, integral equations using uh, differential type equation approach. And he came up with this transform that, that lets you look at things that are harmonically related. So somehow, when someone was working on software-defined radios saying, how are we going to process these signals? Someone says, we ought to look at Hilbert. <laughs> 
this guy Hilbert wrote this transform. And if you look them up in uh, Wikipedia, you'll see that there's quite complex equations associated with it. It hurts your eyes to look at it, but he is to find a way. And the guys who are working with this stuff said, if we use the Hilbert transform, we can take two signals 90 degrees out of phase and process them. So it's the mathematical processing which makes this all work. So believe it or not, uh, Iowa Hill software, which I assume is in Iowa, uh, has taken the Hilbert transforms and, and has made very much like we use LT Spice. This is the equivalent of LT Spice, only it involves the Hilbert transforms. And, and you go in there, you just like you get the LT Spice page, you say, okay, I want to... I want to filter this wide, and here's where I want it to start, and here's where I want it to add. Now, the thing that's interesting is we talk about signals being 90 degrees out of phase, and one of the things that the Hilbert does, it makes it 90 degrees out of phase, but it makes one minus 45 and the other 45, so that the net span is 90 degrees. But it's not a full 90, 90 degrees. It's not like 0 and 90. It's minus 45 and plus 45. So once you develop the curve, you just say pump out the coefficients. And you get a, a listing of coefficients. Depends on many what they call tap points. How many points you put on defining the curve. And you get one at minus 45 and the other plus 45. And you just take those two pieces of information and embed them in a... In an Arduino sketch, instant filter. So Bob's your uncle. Bob's your uncle. So, I mean, it's really worthwhile to take a look at the Iowa Hill software. Uh, it looks a little daunting uh, at first to be able to do this. Now, the, the thing that's really cool is that defining this digital filter, and you can put various bandwidths on it, and you'll actually see the attenuation curve. You know, just like we look at the digital curve on the mm -hmm. on the crystal filter, you get an equivalent of that in the digital filter. So then you can select all these parameters and embed that information. Now, a PJRC, that's the outfit up in Oregon that builds the Teensy, they also have the codec board, and the codec board responds to this digital filter. So there's some kind of magic to to linking up these pieces and, and i don't know how to do that i i got that all from charlie morris suzettle 2 ctm where you build these mixers they're, they're software mixers and they're adders and summers and subtractors and this is essentially what then takes the hilbert information so it's a it's kind of fun to see that uh uh you can take this and and really design a radio <laughs> design a radio around what kind of filter you want now i've had some good success uh, building various filters and some not so good. I designed a CW filter and uh, I put it in uh, put it in the radio and it really worked well in sideband, <laughs> which, which, which it shouldn't have. It's frustrating. Yeah, which is frustrating. So you can, can learn a lot from there. But uh, just by way of history, uh, we're, we're thinking about all the software-defined radio and uh, phasing and, you know, 90 degrees out of phase. Hey, guys did this a long time ago. As a matter of fact, a countryman of, our, of mine, Anthony Vitale, W2EWL, mm -hmm. came out with the this uh, taking an ARC-5 transmitter and essentially building a phasing transmitter out of it. You had got these special audio transformers, and he kept a lot of the uh, basic circuitry in the ARC-5 so that when you were done, you had a 100-watt transmitter in, in the wow. size of an ARC-5 transmitter. 
Well, I got the HT37 here, which is a phasing yeah, transmitter. Well, of that, that's the other thing. The HT37 is another one, and and so was the Central Electronics 10A. As a matter of fact, I think that was the, the first one, right? This yeah, guy who's collecting yeah, a whole bunch the, of them. Then GE had one called the SSB Junior. Same yeah. same time, it would, had two crystals in it. Had one crystal at nine and one crystal at five, so you can either run that on 75 meters or 20 meters. So you had a yeah. single crystal frequency, and, it, and I think the SSB Junior uh, on the GE used three tubes or four tubes, something like that. Pretty simple. But the secret to their uh, that approach was phase shift networks. They give you this 90-degree phase shift that we talked mm -hmm. about for the two channels. Today, we're doing it digitally with mathematics. There, they did it with hardware. So it was an SDR versus an HDR. Yeah, but I, I mean, a couple of things. This is this is just bring back so many memories. I remember, I, and I, I wrote about this in the, the Global Adventures in Wireless Electronics book. You know, as a teenager, I would look at that HT thirty seven and just try to understand how it worked, how the phasing was working. And I never, as a teenager, I just couldn't do it. I used to; it drove me nuts. I couldn't figure it out. There was nobody I could really ask, and I think I eventually just gave up on it. And then later on, as a you know, as an older ham, I looked the at it again. Pieces fell together. And then I got it all together. And then I was so pleased with finally understanding how the, these different phase shifts resulted in the the uh, constructive interference of one sideband and the destructive interference and the elimination of the other. That's what led me to build the um, the R two. Uh, yeah. Rick Campbell's yeah yeah SDR uh, not SDR but uh, but uh, phasing receiver, and that was that was a lot of fun. I think the the ninety degree phase shift that you're talking about in the in the R two. I think he did it with a series of op amps. I'll have to take a look on how they did it. Yeah, that that'll but do it. That'll the, be another a series way. of op amps yeah. op amps was there, but it was a great project, and it's it's a wonderful technique for for coming up with with an ssb signal and it's just it's just it's just neat the, the the technology and you're right you know they discovered this kind of on paper in the math and then then later on went ahead and built it which is great stuff yeah so so anyway what what i've been doing is uh, i i resurrected my zl2 ctm uh sideband transceiver that uh, charlie actually started working on several years ago and uh, w with uh, some improved filters and having a non-smoked Tietze, <laughs> a good one. <laughs> Without the smoke release. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've have it on the air. I've, I've made probably 50 contacts or so, and I'm still, still evaluating various filters. I, one filter I put in there, uh, I must have... I must have really screwed something up because some guy jumped all over me. He said, you're 10 kilohertz wide. He said, you're interfering. I said, hey, I'm sorry. I said, uh, I'll get off the air. So I, I said, well, that, that filter didn't work too well. What but band was this on, Peter? 40. 40. Of course. That's yeah, it's 40. So anyway. The, they're, uh, very, they're very particular there yes, on 40 meters. So, so anyway, I've, I've got a little more work to do in that. But um, uh one, what I plan to do is I want to get this uh, Teensy with with my Radic board uh, really working well, and then I'm going to migrate. I'm going to migrate the the code that's in the Teensy to a Teensy four because the Teensy four runs at 600 megahertz, not 120 like the Teensy 3.5. So with that increased 
processor speed. You can do a lot more computations. And then also look at, I'm just using an LCD, so one of the things would be to put that on a color TFT. So then eventually you can put the spectrum mm -hmm. on there so you could have the waterfall. Now that right. that's beyond my knowledge. I'm going to need a lot of help with that, but I can see <laughs> with a teensy 4.0 and you you know a color nice. I by the way I have the display. This is an interesting story. It's a 320 by 240. They're they're really nice. I ordered it from China. It arrived at my house two weeks ago, and I think it came from Wuhan, China. <laughs> I have not opened the bag. <laughs> oh, no, you, you don't have to worry about that. I think, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I, no, they said, wait a month. <laughs> wait well. a month. I have not opened the seal bag. I said, yeah, 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 I'm not going to do that. But uh, I have been, I had a really nice uh, Skype session with uh, Charlie, Charlie Morris. And I was having a few. Down in New Zealand. Down in New Zealand. And uh, he's a great guy. As a matter yes. of fact, uh, just to share something with you, he was, he, comes to San Francisco frequently. He's in the aerospace business. I'm not sure exactly what he does, but he's connected with aerospace, so he travels to San Francisco quite a bit. And I've put him on to some surplus places. And I I, I said, oh, by the way, a new surplus place opened up. you got to visit it. So he he came back and he said, bummer, his trip got canceled. So I know. Well, I know you, you, had, a, you had a trip to San Francisco canceled yeah. too. You, you were going up to see your son. You had yeah. to cancel it, right? Well, he called me. He said, don't come. Yeah. I know. As a matter of fact, they've closed all the schools in San Francisco, Los Angeles, mm. and San Diego. And even, hey, this is really serious. They closed the Catholic schools. I know. I know. <laughs> so, you know, the when the Catholic schools close, mm. <laughs> it's, not, it's yeah. kind of serious, serious, serious uh, business. Charlie put me on to something else, which I, I, had, I think I saw and I discounted it, and I guess I shouldn't have. He asked me if I had any AD 9833s. This is glued like, on glued onto the back of a, a nano. nano. Yeah, the AD ninety eight thirty three is very similar to the SI fifty three fifty one, and it's built by Analog Devices, which now actually uh, the um, Silicon Labs is I think a part of Analog Devices. So anyway, this AD ninety eight thirty three is a really small board, and they've designed it so that the pins line up with the pins on an Arduino Nano so that you could just put the set of pins and solder them, <laughs> solder them right into the Arduino Nano at the right place and you'll have all the things that you need. And this AD9833 will produce a sine wave, a square wave, a triangular wave. And there was a guy, a PY2, came up with a neat test instrument. It also does audio. So he has an audio and RF tester all, all built into this little thing. Uh, I mean, th you just select what you want. Now, the, the beauty of the AD9833 is it has a frequency limitation of only, uh, upper limit is 12 megahertz. So I think that's why I discounted it before and said, what, 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 what am I going to do with this? But then I thought about it. A lot of radios run with a 5 megahertz VFO. Yeah. So you could... You could take this like as a remote VFO, uh, build a remote VFO enclosure for, from a lot of these commercial radios. Matter of fact, I have a Tentec uh, Omni-C, which is a really nice radio, and they bring the PTO out to the back panel with a jumper plug. So the idea, if you put a remote VFO, you plug in the, the plug into that jumper plug. You could plug an 
809833 5 megahertz signal right into that jumper plug and then it uses all the electronics in the Omni C for the digital display and what have you. So uh, the the Omni C I have is a little bit drifty. So this this may be and by the way they're four bucks on Amazon. Go to the Smarter Smoke blog, upper right hand corner, <laughs> click on Amazon <laughs> and order one. Especially during this period of prices. Yeah. <laughs> well no. a, a nano uh, you can get a nano for like three four bucks. Ninety eight thirty three, three four bucks. So for ten, less than ten bucks you got there Man. you go. That, you I go. thought that was pretty cool when I read. I always read your blog, and I saw that as you had the uh, uh, the 809833 kind of tacked onto the back of a nano. Yeah, that that is pretty cool. But this this gets to an acronym. I wanted to. I I decoded your acronym. I am the first to decode it, and I saw. It. <laughs> oh, which one said? <laughs> okay, this is the the acronym. Pete just throws these onto his uh, his page, and all of a sudden, in bold letters, you see. P W K S C D S P W K S C D S. Pause for a second and see if you can you the individual radio listener can decode it. I'll read it again in phonetics. Pop up, whiskey, kilo, Sierra, Charlie, Delta, Sierra. And we'll pause just for a second. And you can you can pause your MP3 player, get out a piece of scratch paper, and see if you can decode P W K S C D S. But I looked at it, and knowing Pete Giuliano for a long time now, I instantly knew what this meant, and it means this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Pete, who knows something, can do stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pete, who knows stuff, can do stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you're proving it every day go ahead yeah why not yeah well you know there there is a substitute there's no substitute for that and as a matter of fact that uh, bill you, you and i received an email from uh a guy that's uh, very interested in home brewing and and you know he said hey i'd like to start a project by building a, a pretty sophisticated transceiver and and you said whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. i mean Unless you know stuff, t tackling uh, a, a major transceiver project uh, is is kind of doomed for failure. Or if you if you're successful, go play the lottery. <laughs> because... I think I, I think this was David. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think that it was David, and he, he got a, he wrote a really nice yeah. letter, and, and it, I, I think his ambitions were were right on target. He yes. said he he didn't want to have you know kind of an appliance rig. He wanted to build his own. He wanted to scratch build it. And he said something in the email that I thought was was indicative of, of, of what kind of approach he's taken. He said he wanted to be able to open the box and to be able to see the individual stages and to understand the signal flow and how the whole thing worked, which is, is really admirable. Uh, but then I, I got the sense that, that he really hadn't done a whole lot of building before. I might be wrong. So that's why when I went back, I said, you know, you gotta you gotta walk before you can run. So why don't you build some of the kind of the the, the easier projects first? Get some experience under your belt. You know, maybe develop your your workbench a little bit, and then then later on tackle, you know, some of these kind of more. You know, an SSB transceiver is hard. It is. It's you know for somebody who hasn't done anything. We can see it even with the Bidex 
boards where the board is completely built. I mean, everything is on the board. The thing is built. And guys have trouble. They have massive trouble. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 really, you're thinking, you know, well, look, the thing has already been built, but they still have a lot of trouble with it. But that's, so, we're not putting anybody down. No. But I think that's just an indication that, that 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 before you take on an SSB transceiver, it really it really helps to have some more experience first. And, and uh, our friend Dean o- over here, my neighbor in Virginia, is yeah. proven that because he has followed that approach. He has taken on some of the smaller projects first, and now he's moving on. I I I really smiled at email. He said, "I sat down with this thing and I went through it, and now I understand it." That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That yeah. Understanding is important. You yeah. Know? yeah. So what do you? I mean, I, the I next got one? I got that from Gene Shepard way back in the seventies because Shepard in his WOR radio shows basically conveyed the idea that unless you really understood how the thing worked, you were just not worthy as a as a radio amateur. Well, where where it comes into play is when something goes awry. Then yeah. then you know what to do if you that's if right. you don't understand it. You, you wouldn't know where to tackle it. But right. um, anyway, I want to make a few comments about uh, the Linux Mint that Minty. I got on it to be. Yeah, Minty. Mint. It's, uh, what a great that, name. Mint. Yeah, it, it, Bill, that really works well. As a matter of fact, uh, I wanted to share um, a little bit more about something I discussed in 218. I, I talked about the electronic microscope yep. using that. Well, I, I bought another webcam. And I and this webcam doesn't have any volume on it. It's just a webcam, so there's no sound, no audio, so, no audio. But this thing is nice and round. And I tell you, it has an adjustable uh, f-stop on it, so you can adjust, you you know, the focal length. And the thing is, I can I can spot a hair <laughs> on a circuit board. And I said, this is it. <laughs> I mean, where you have a solder bridge or something like that. You might miss it. Uh, I could run that over the circuit board, and I can see if there's there's and and it was nine bucks. Wow, I mean, that's the thing. Nine bucks. Nine bucks. This is this is so good to know. I mean, this stuff is out there, and there's so much of it coming. Um, it's you twelve know, megapixel. It's twelve megapixel it, for nine bucks. And that could really improve your ability in the workbench. Troubleshoot. I, yeah. I, I saw something. You know, I, I, I'm a big fan of Hackaday. And a lot of the stuff on Hackaday has really nothing to do with the kind of electronics we do. But uh, very often they touch on it. They did a video recently of a guy talking about hardware troubleshooting and how he does hardware troubleshooting. And he was speaking to a bunch of software guys, but he was trying to give them what they needed to know in order to understand the difficulties and how hardware troubleshooting is done. And he talked about the instruments that he uses, and it's all the standard kind of tools that we use, a multimeter, SIG generator, um, simple oscilloscope. But then he mentioned a couple things that at least I'm not using. I, I don't know if you, if you use them, but, you know, like um, a laser-pointed thermometer where you, you, put, you, put, the laser, you, put, the, you put the laser on the, on, the, on the device and it uses an infrared device to read off the temperature. And apparently these things are now available at Home Depot or from our good friend Jeff Bezos at Amazon for very little money. And, yeah, you know, 10 bucks. Yeah. 
that's a that's a kind of an interesting thing to have around the shack because you know up until now and he even mentions it he says if you want to measure temperature one of the devices <laughs> i mean I, I i still have the the form of the irf 510 we, we should mention kind of that you and i simultaneously put our thumb up <laughs> yeah i've used it but it, it leaves a, the, the, the profile of the irf 510 fits perfectly on the yeah. backside on the underside of your thumb yeah um, there's a better, and that's hardly precise. It's like, but Doug Dumois, Doug Dumois, you know, he used to say, he used to try to quantify this. He said, he would say, put your finger on the device and how can you tell if it's too hot? Well, if you can't keep your finger on there comfortably, <laughs> so if it gets to the point that it hurts, it's too hot, but that's, that's far from precise. So yeah. one of these devices would be very useful. So I'm going to get one. Okay. Yeah, that's a good deal. Hey, I, I wanted to back up a second on your, your very last comment because, uh, matter of fact, um, I sent an email just before our session here this morning to someone that's having a problem with uh, with a radic using the Raspberry Pi. And I, I suggested that don't get out the test gear, don't, 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 you know, start wiring things up, applying power. Sit down and make a checklist of what you see is going on. For instance, his, his RATIG is working on receive, but he can't get any signal out on transmit. And I said, go through a, a mental process here. Since the RATIG is, is essentially bilateral, if it's working on receive, then something is, that, that eliminates that chunk in terms of the transmit if it's working on receive it, that part will work on transmit so something outside of that as a matter of fact uh two weeks ago we went through the same drill with another ham and he asked me all these questions and settings and i sent him a whole bunch of photographs of where where the settings were in quisk and he comes back to me and says oh by the way he said i bought a brand new microphone and it doesn't work i mean it you went through all these things, and the very item that he discounted initially, that he, he finally came down and said, well, it can only be one thing, the microphone. If you sit down with Maybe a listing beforehand, it. Yeah. think about yeah. it, say, is it this, is it this, is it, it's an is it analysis. That's analysis. right. You know, and, and along those same lines, well, first, we always kind of advise it, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I, well, I know I don't, and I suspect you don't follow this rule, but it's a good rule. Change something and then check it. Don't yeah. change five things yes. and then go back and see if the radio works because yes, it could have been any one of those five things. If you change one thing and see if everything's right, then you're you're good. Right. But I'll, I'll tell you an experience I had that's very much along the same lines with the S38s. You know, there's um, there's hum on the SW38. Hum? S38s. Hum. hum? AC, AC hum. Hum? Hum. I'm told that back in the day, this was seen as a sort of a desirable feature because it made the consumer assured that the thing was working and that it seemed powerful. But the hum on the S38, you, 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 when, you're, when you're listening to a signal, you can't hear it because even, even the background, the band noise overpowers it so you don't even hear it. But if you turn the volume all the way down, you down to it. zero, and then you listen carefully, you can hear AC hum coming out of the speaker. Now, on both my S38s, I installed isolation transformers. And I needed a spot on the chassis to place these isolation transformers. I put them inside the cabinet. 
and I was kind of concerned because uh, the place where I had selected, which was really good to, to place them, was kind of close to the speaker and kind of close to the AF transformer. So I'm thinking, wow, maybe maybe I have significantly increased hum in these things. And now that I'm getting them both working, I'm getting more concerned about these kinds of kind of fine-tuning kind of things. And I say to myself, did I, by, the, by where I place these isolation transformers, significantly increase the hum? Or is this the kind of hum that was always there? That, that was there when this thing was brand new out of the box from helicopters in 1957. How do you know? Right? And, and so it was kind of bugging me. So one morning, what I did, I just turned over the S38 and I reconfigured it. I left the transformer on the chassis, but I disconnected it electrically. So no juice was coming to it. No juice was going from it. And I went back to, to the, the original. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and here's a tool that you have now. The smartphone that's that's in your pocket, right? It's it's hard to make a before and after comparison. So what I did was in the old configuration, I shot a YouTube video of about thirty seconds, you know, six inches away from the speaker, yeah. right? Then when I put the isolation transformer back in, all the settings exactly the same. A second video six inches away from the speaker, and now I can go back and take a look at these two, and I know for a fact that the addition of the isolation transformer is not the cause of the hum. The hum was there in the beginning, right? The hum is just just the base, just the result of a kind of a, a rudimentary All-American 5 design. But that kind, you're right, that kind of systematic thinking, you know, and, and the guy in this video from Hackaday said something important. He said a lot of times when you get into a bad kind of hardware troubleshooting jam, the best thing to do is take a break, take a walk, Put it aside. Don't go nuts. And that's 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 something that's really hard to do. What was the S thirty eight E for extra hard? Was it designed as an AC DC radio? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, sure it was. That's why I had to do the isolation transformer. Okay, so what would prevent you from putting a little rectifier in there and putting DC off that secondary? Uh, I I could I could change the whole power supply. Yeah, no, sure I'm just saying if if hum was that objectionable, that would that would improve that because you take the AC off the filaments. Yeah, yeah. you you now have an option. Yeah, I could. Yeah, but I you know the other thing I did is I I replaced the I used a company that you recommended a while back Hayseed Hayseed Ham, Ham Hayseed Hamfest. Nice company. I really yeah. like these guys. They sent me a whole. They sent me a capacitor kit. They sent me a new, uh, like a, a plastic can with the electrolytics in it and all the other kind of paper and ceramics that I had to replace, and I did that. Did When I first did business with them, I was replacing an electrolytic in a uh, Drake uh, R4B receiver, and, and someone had to just put all kind of capacitors all over the place, so I got the original. In the box, in the box was the capacitor, and a large chunk of solder wick. <laughs> so I you got that too. I, I have it too. What a nice touch. I said, who thinks of this? I, I, when I first saw it, I said, did they want me to replace a, kind of this kind of ribbon? Well, what is this for? And then I looked and he had a little label on it and it said solder wick. Yeah. I said, this is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, these I, have, I, customer, I have it here. It's customer service. Customer service. Yeah. Hayseed Hamfest. I'm going to, you know, I, I had such a good experience with the electrolytic 
for the S38 that I'm gonna gonna buy the one for the Drake 2B. Yeah. And do it do it up nicely. Uh, finally, after all this time. But hey, back to Mint. Go back to Mint. Yes. So, so anyway, this it, it, it I I have been using it um, a, a lot as an example. Um, yesterday, I was looking at the 40 meter uh, uh, bandpass filter and the uh, uh, low pass filter, and I'm saying might be cool to try to put this on 75 meters because there's the boat anchor net uh, on 75 yeah. the collins net and i said geez i had just have to change two filters and i could put it on 75 so i said oh i wonder what that's like so i said wait a minute so i went and mint uh has firefox when firefox went to w3 nqn filters boom there it was pulled up the table <laughs> there's the value so I could do a quick calculation, you know, how many turns of wire you need, and it's right there on the bench fill. Wonderful. Seventy-five bucks. That's terrific. Yeah, it's yeah, really good. Now they're down to fifty. <laughs> the same yeah, one I it, bought. It, the same one I bought for seventy-five is fifty dollars now. I mean, I should have waited. It, it, you, you were the one who predicted that twenty twenty would be a great year for for home brew, and here we are. And it's it's so it's so great to see you having so much fun with this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's just right experimented here. with it. And oh, the other thing new. I did is I made a YouTube video of this. I called up the uh, KPH SDR. And then I was, because the Charlie's transceiver does not have the waterfall display. That's not a shortcoming. You, what you're able to do is you, you I called up, used the, the Mint, called up the KPH SDR, and I could look at all the signals. So I'd see a signal there and I'd tune down and sure enough, there it was. I mean, there's, there's a YouTube no, video I'm, on that. I'm, I'm doing the same thing, Pete, because I, I don't have any SDR gear here to speak of, but I went to the Web SDR site. This is different from the Kiwi SDR, similar but different, Web SDR. And I discovered that there's a guy in Washington, D.C. who has a really good Web SDR receiver. I think it's NA9R, something like that. Five. NA5AN. NA5N? NA5N. That's something like that. Yeah. But it's the only one on Washington, D.C. That's just, what, eight miles east of me, right? So I often have this thing fired up and I'm watching the waterfalls. You could watch all the bands at the same time, right? So you could see, it's a good way to see what the the patterns are. You don't see a lot of signals on 80 meters at midday or at 40. But then later on the day, as the day goes by, they start to pick up. But it's really great fun. It's, and it is almost like having another waterfall. By the way, that guy's receivers are excellent. They're really good. And I took a look at the hardware that he has in those receivers. They're RTL SDR dongles. Wow. 20 I mean, bucks. So 20 they're bucks. dongles. 20 bucks. He's, he is home-brewed up converters. So he's not converted the dongles. I've converted my dongles so they work directly on HF. He left them in the VHF configuration and built up converters to up convert to the to There's the, somebody to the that sells a kit, New Electric, on wow. Amazon. Go to the solder smoke block of a right-hand corner. <laughs> <laughs> New Electric. <laughs> but really great stuff. And, and it's, just, it's just it's a fantastic new technology. Pete, I guess this brings us. Are you, are you done with Mint? Yes, I'm done with Mint. Minty. Anything else from the bench? No, I, I'm I'm going to keep working. As I said, uh, my plan is to make a transition to the Teensy 4, but uh, 
I, I tell you, I, I'm finding I have a little more time. We're not going out as much, Bill. So maybe, maybe we got to talk about how to cope with coronavirus. That's what I had. That's what I have here on the list, and how to do how to cope with staying at home, which is always a, it's a good idea these days, really, because it it helps you as an individual, but also the plan is that it this is the way you help society. This is the way we slow down the rate of spread. So it's not just because you're protecting yourself, but if others. You can, it, but all of us, I mean, that's that's why they're doing it in Italy. People understand this is how you how you flatten the curve, how you keep the hospital system from getting overwhelmed. Anyway, it's a good thing to do. I, I want to this. check the birth rate about nine months from now. Good good point. Good, yeah, good yeah. point there, Pete. Um, that's not that's on your good, list. That's no, not on my list. Let's talk about some other things that you <laughs> okay. could do during the COVID nine uh, COVID nineteen uh, problem. One of the things we just mentioned it, Web SDR. If you guys have not played around with Web SDR, free. Now's the time to do it. There's these receivers all over the world. You could select one that's close to you. You could collect select one that's far away. I like the one in Washington D.C. because he's close to me. And I can see how well my receivers are doing, right? Yep. If he's getting the gangbusters and it's fine, then I can go over and say, wait a second, what, what's wrong with my system here? And I, I must say, many of my receive systems don't compare all too favorably to what this guy is doing with, with RTL-SDR dongles. Let, let me tell you another observation I made. Um, I made the observation that the SDR will hear signals that I couldn't hear locally, but I could hear things locally the SDR receivers couldn't hear. I mean, it, yeah. was, it was Yeah, it was I, I had the same experience. Even even at a distance of seven miles, you could see that there's a different pattern. I, that happens to me, too. Yeah. I mean, that, that I'll, I'll be hearing a signal fine, and I'll look over, and uh, there in Washington, D.C., he's not getting it. Seven miles away, eight miles away. So, yeah, that's that's a factor, especially, I think, especially if you're, you're, you're talking ground wave a lot of times on, on 75 even on 40, yeah. All right, so that's that's one of the things. Play around with the web SDR. Just just look at it. It's fun. It's something new. Uh, we already talked about uh, the novice rig roundup. But, hey, listen, here's something I, I found, and I, I put it up on uh, the blog uh, a few days ago. It's called Boatnack. Oh, yeah. Right? So we occasionally do, we cover uh, kind of people who are demonstrating kind of different versions of the knack the dilbert disease but skill ability interest in a in a in a technical area that is far often far from ham radio but sort of somehow similar in a way there is a a series a big series like maybe 65 or 70 videos out there each of them about 20 minutes this young uh, english kid named leo sampson has a, is kind of a self-trained boat maker. He's 27 years old. So Got a nice-looking girlfriend too. Oh man! Leo's got Leo's got it together. Yeah. Um, and he has he it's it's kind of a bold effort. So this guy leaves England, flies to the United States, and for one dollar buys this old boat from 108 years ago called the Tally Ho. He has somebody allow him to use a workshop up in Washington State, close to your old stomping grounds. What was the Port name Townsend. of the town? Port, Port Townsend. Townsend. Yeah, near Port Townsend. And he has he brings up this wreck of a boat that was wrecked in the South Pacific. It, it's got an amazing history, 
and he sets up this massive wood shop to rebuild this boat and then he shoots videos and the videos are super entertaining they're really well done he he passes along the technical knowledge he's obviously operating at a really high technical level but he's also a talented videographer because you get scenes of what what's life life is like in this in this workshop that he set up he's very honest about his struggles with with technology with technical issues and the the way he grapples with kind of re, re, technical issues related to the wood and the ships reminds me a bit of how we struggle with kind of working on radios it's it's similar there's a similar challenge similar satisfaction similar similar kind of maniacal uh, interest in this but it's it's great stuff and it's the kind of thing that it's good to have playing in the background when you're working on a radio because you could look over and you could see poor Leo struggling with something. But he, he never gets... And his good-looking Italian girlfriend. Oh, man. That, yeah. That, that helps, too. <laughs> it helps, too. It's not, yeah, yeah. Va bene. Va bene. And she can cook. Yeah, yeah, there you and, go. And anyway, uh, I really recommend this would be a great thing to watch during our current uh, difficulties because it'll take your mind off it it's hopeful it's upbeat this is a, a young guy who's who's doing what he what he loves and doing doing very well at it and but i mean with some sacrifice too i don't know if you got to the point where he chopped his finger off no i didn't i didn't uh, see that one. No, yeah, yeah 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 it's it's, it's it, you could see there's there's some some danger in, in pushing oh, this yeah. thing through so but he but he he handles that that very well also but but check it out. I think you you would like the just do uh, YouTube. I have the link up on the blog. It's Samson Boat Company Tally Ho videos. Try to watch them in sequence too. There's a, if you scroll down a little bit, there's a way you could watch it in sequence. Each one of them is about 15, 20 minutes. When when I was watching one that you'd forwarded to me, I thought of the building of the USS Constitution, uh, and, and you know the Constitution's uh, parked up there in Boston, and you know when they designed that boat, they sent guys out with essentially templates of pieces of wood that they were going to need to fit in the Constitution. They traveled down into Georgia and places like that where they had trees still big enough to make parts of the ship out of one piece of wood. And I Well, he goes, he goes to South Georgia. Yeah. Because yeah. He, he has to get what's called wild oak. Yeah. And, man, this is one of the most amazing yeah. things. He drives to South Georgia, and he, and he links up with this... I mean, crazy, I mean, eccentric, I mean, in a good way, uh, a Georgia guy who has built this Rube Goldberg contraption to cut the, the wild oak exactly the way this guy needs it. And then he buys like 6,000 pounds of this thing. And then he takes these kind of trees, puts them on a flatbed, takes them up to Washington State, and he's turning them into this amazing ship. It's, it, look, this, this, if you need something to take your mind off coronavirus, this is the place to go. Play, have it playing in the background. If you're at all interested in woodwork, too, this is like yeah. woodwork paradise. By the way, there's a place in Port Townsend. Port Townsend is the home of the Wooden Boat Festival, a yearly mm -hmm. festival, and there's a large uh, wooden boat uh, building business and these guys are fixed wooden boats they create wooden boats and that's why i guess samson has gravitated to that area there's also a place there called edensaw woods 
And this company deals in these exotic woods that are used on wooden boats. And I mean, some of these are like these mahogany planks and that sort of things that they use for the for the boat works. And I mean, it's just so unusual in this little town. You got some places just selling all this lumber, so it's, uh, it's kind of fascinating. But you, but you know, um, I, I thought of something here. Uh, you hate to think that you park yourself in front of the the, the television set uh, during this time, but. Uh, a, a neat diversion, you know, like we were watching the Velocity Channel, now Motor Trend. Yes, right. There, there's another one called the Moonshine Channel. <laughs> I've, I've seen this. <laughs> and these guys, these guys, they have the knack. I mean, they need to build this hardware. <laughs> and you see them taking pieces of copper pipe and whatever. And, and the one that blew my mind was they've now shifted to making CBD. They've now shifted the business. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> From yeah. moonshine to CBD, and and they 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 figure out that this stuff could explode <laughs> when they're doing it. So they come up with these this this knack stuff of how to cook CBD so it doesn't oh, no. explode. Let's, let's <laughs> yes, stick, let's stick with the wooden boats. Back to the boats. All right. There you go. There you go. Pete, Pete does raise some interesting ideas. Okay. Um, let's see. Some, the moonshine some of the channel. <laughs> You know, you know, revive an old boat anchor. Here's something to do. Find yeah. some piece of gear that you yeah, need to fix and work on it. Get get going. Build something. That's that's always good. Back into shortwave listening. You could follow my my advice and and get into into shortwave listening. Give it a try. It's changed. It's different. But there's some really interesting stuff out there. Well, some of well, it too interesting. Know, at that point, you also get a different perspective on the local news. I mean, if yeah. you listen listen to stuff coming from the UK or Australia. You'll you'll hear about what's occurring in their country and how they're yep. how they're taking care of things. So that, I think keeping updated in that is really really important. So yeah, that's a great that, idea. That, that's fun. Hey, uh, related to that, get on the air. A lot of us spend so much time on the bench that we never talk to each anybody with the radios that we that we make or that we refurbish. Now's the time to get on the air because social isolation is really dangerous and not talking to anybody all day or being locked up in the Except house. Except if you're a nerd. I, I know, but we're we're a specific kind of nerd, and um, and and we have the ability with these radios that we make to to talk to people. So get on the air, even if you haven't. Get on a different band. Do something different. Talk to somebody on the radio. Last time we checked, that these uh, the virus cannot be transmitted over the airwaves, except yes. perhaps maybe maybe on seventy five meters. Yes, yeah, <laughs> always been hazardous, but. Uh, um, anyway, get on the air. You know, you'll feel less isolated. Um, you know, um, take a walk. I mean, you can take a walk. I mean, there's nobody, nobody can prevent you from taking a walk yet. I mean, in Italy, I don't think they're allowed to take a walk. But, um, you know, get some exercise. Listen to the Solder Smoke and other podcasts while you go walking along. You had a good one, Pete. You know, cook something. Pasta yeah. Pete. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That, well, yeah, if help, you're going to be eating more in-house, in yep. probably that, not going out to restaurants, restaurants not too good. things like that. Nope. So good time, to, good time to cook. I'm Check gonna, out the pot, Pasta Pete website. Yeah. And get some fact, good ideas. One, one of the things I'm going to upload here, um, if not today, tomorrow, is I have been working on perfecting a lemon pie. All right. So I'm going to have my lemon pie recipe that's uh, been tweaked. And uh, it's actually pretty. The the XYL likes it, so it's got to be good. All right, so good. There you go. So so they, And I, the other thing, I think you and I talked about this kind of offline. 
you know, there's always going to be somebody around you who's in worse shape on this thing than, than you are and help help them out. I mean, whenever you're kind of feeling down about something, you're in a difficult situation, one of the best advice is always to try to find somebody who's in a little worse shape and help them out. There's going to be some neighbor who needs help getting something or is going to run short or is going to run out of something. And if you could help them, that's 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 always did, good did for you morale read, too. Did you read about this couple that were in their 80s that were at the grocery store? And and this this young girl was about to go in, and this woman screamed, "Help me! Help me!" She said, "We're in our 80s, and we're fearful of going in to get groceries yeah. because we we think we're going to get coronavirus, and it's going to yeah. kill us both." Yeah. And she gave her a hundred dollars. She said, "Here's a grocery list. Would you do this for me?" And the girl said, "Sure." And so she videoed the whole thing, and this thing's gone viral. But well, I mean, there's all kinds of yeah, stories like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's the kind of thing we're exactly talking about. exactly what good, you're saying, yeah. Good stuff. All right. So anyway, these are, these are, this is our advice. Plus, listen, we have now, what, 219 back issues yes. of Solder Smoke Podcast. There's a lot of listening there. It gets you through this, gets you through the summer easily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> by, by the way, this is also a good time to organize your computer, collect all those technical articles <laughs> so that you could find them. Find them easily. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I upgraded my RAM and it's, it's, it's made a world of difference here. Hey, we don't have too much in the mailbag because there hasn't been too much of a, of a, of a delay since the last one. But I did get uh, the latest edition of QSP QSP. Magazine. This is from Hyderabad. This is the journal of the Lamakan Amateur Radio Club. Lamakan is the, the social center, the kind of the, uh, the cafe uh, established and run by our friend Farhan. And I think this QSP and the club is an offshoot of that out of Hyderabad. And so we have volume two, issue number two. And in there, there's an article by this guy, Pete Giuliano. And that was really good. And then further down, I see workbench, the ET2, a two transistor QRP transceiver. And look, I've got a picture. My, my, my picture appears, the rig appears there on the front cover all the way over from India. But I, I really like this magazine. And it it reminded me of what it's like to, to must what it must be like to be in a community where there's a a real there's a group of obviously really talented young technicians and engineers and 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 enthusiasts involved in the hobby and they're all helping each other and sharing information. There's your article, Pete. There I see you. I look. I see Pete Giuliano's smiling face looking at me right here as I flip through the pages and. And so, I mean, I, I was I was left kind of envious of the uh, of the community that that Farhan and his his colleagues have over there. Look at that yeah. first article in there. It said SSB CW transceiver. That's by it. K, KPS Kang. KPS Kang, another yeah. guy who's a long time. There's yeah, a picture of big. Farhan there. Um, wait, wait, hold on. I didn't catch that one before. At CQ Hall of Fame 2018. Farhan getting into into that one. And then um, Pete's got an article in here. Look, here's Pete's bio. And software to find radios in your shack by Pete Giuliano. Exploring a low-cost alternative for putting an SDR transceiver in one shack. There you go. This, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that would be really, really useful uh, during the current difficulty. So uh, look at that. Hey, another publication that came out, Hot Iron. 
Yeah. I, I recently got an issue of Hot Iron. That thing is is voluminous. It's, it's like it's like fifty six pages. So I have to catch up on reading on that. So there's a lot of a lot of publications out there you can catch up in reading on. That, that has a, another L, transier. The LBS has been re- reprinted in that. Oh, good. Hot iron issue. I'm gonna check that one out. Let's build something. Yeah, I gotta. I, I've got to dig into that. And then uh, Tony Fishpool. We were we were recently in touch with Tony. We were seeking words from wisdom, words of wisdom from him on the nano. Uh, VNA, which is another interesting piece of gear. Maybe we'll talk about that in a in a future future podcast. But Pete, we are way over time here. We're we're now at one hour thirty five minutes. Well, that's how we're spending the coronavirus time, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe we'll come back in a week or, or two weeks yeah, and do yeah. another one of these special Corona broadcasts. Yeah. Anyway, it has nothing yeah. to do with beer either. <laughs> it has nothing to do with beer, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, we wish everybody a lot of luck. Follow the guidelines. Stay safe. Yeah, yeah. It's all about using your head. You yep. know, it's just like when we talk about working with high voltage. This yep. this coronavirus has to be taken seriously. Yep. And and there's some recommendations about washing your hands and limiting contact and you know uh, avoiding large crowds. That's all good practical stuff and easy to do. It's just yep. you you need to. You need to have the discipline to do it. So um, uh, I'm, I, I can't say enough about that. That's what we need to do to uh, overcome this uh, difficulty. It, it too will pass, but in the meantime, we got to live with it. That's it. All right. Okay, Pete Giuliano. Great talking to you this morning. Yeah, seventy threes from the left coast. Seventy threes from the wilds of Northern Virginia. Thanks a lot, Pete. You bet. Bye bye. Ch- ciao. Ooh, that's awesome. The Solder Smoke Podcast is produced once or twice a month using roadkill computers in an electronics workshop somewhere in the wilds of Northern Virginia. The podcast is available via iTunes and directly from our website, soldersmoke.com. Our blog, the Solder Smoke Daily News, is at soldersmoke.blogspot.com. Send email to soldersmoke, that's one word, at yahoo.com. Solder Smoke is listener-supported. And there are many ways you can help keep the podcast going. Please spread the word. Let your friends know about Solder Smoke, the podcast, and our blog. Put links to the podcast and the blog on your websites. Buy a copy of the critically acclaimed book, Solder Smoke, Global Adventures in Wireless Electronics, available from lulu.com. Begin all your visits to Amazon via the Amazon link on our blog page. In this way, Solder Smoke gets a commission from anything you buy on Amazon. Buy some of our attractive Solder Smoke t-shirts, coffee mugs, and bumper stickers at the Solder Smoke store at cafepress.com. If you have a small business, consider advertising on the podcast or on the blog. Our rates are reasonable and our staff is friendly. If none of this appeals to you but you still want to help, well, we have a donation button in the upper left-hand corner of the blog page. However you choose to help, we thank you for your support. Ciao, bravi ragazzi!